Today on the Zabecast, good news has turned to great news on Ryan Newman. Why Talladega Nights is my favorite Will Ferrell movie ever. Andy Poland with his thoughts on Astros cheating, nerdy redskin roster moves, stadiums and Ral John, and more. All that plus a case of airplane seat punching may now be literally a federal case. Your bonus, 45 minutes of me, is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Thursday, February 20th, 2020, 2020. How about that for a date? Thank you for downloading. Andy Poland will join me in just a minute. But first, a couple of things. Amen for Ryan Newman on Wednesday, posting photos of him standing, smiling with his two beautiful daughters of him walking out of the hospital in his hospital socks with his two daughters hand in hand. That was the chicken soup for the soul I think a lot of us needed to see uh, on a Wednesday. I know that when we last left last night, Ronnie was saying, Ron Thomas was saying, I'm afraid it's going to be worse news. I just am. I'm pessimistic. Thank God Ron may know a lot about NASCAR and racing. He may have a lot of stories about uh, racing and NASCAR. But he's not always right. He's not always right. And that's a beautiful thing that that uh, is the outcome there. Speaking of racing, we had on Michelle Rahal on my show in D.C., Team 980, Team 980 app, as well as 95.9 FM. And Michelle has been doing stuff, doing hits with me and with Scott for damn near 20 years, way back when we were on Fox Sports Radio. And there was a much bigger NASCAR push. Of course, that was 2002, 3, 4, 5, and NASCAR is arguably at its peak. And we had Michelle on, and we always had good talks and everything else. Well, I had him on uh, because of this wreck, and he jokingly said, uh, you know, this we got to stop meeting like this, because I kind of only call him when there's some big fuck-up in NASCAR or wreck or whatever. Okay, fine. I mentioned at some point, because he said, you know, you should really get into open-wheel racing. And I'm like, eh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll turn my attention to F1 and or um, IndyCar racing. And then he said, yeah, there's some French driver. And I go, was that French driver Jean Girard? <laughs> and he laughed, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah. I st- he said, I still haven't seen that stupid movie, and I never will. And I said, that's fine. You're a, you're a racing blue blood. You're part of the great Ray Hall racing family. I don't expect you to watch a goofball movie like Talladega Nights, but for me, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is a stop, do not pass, go, do not change the channel. Uh-oh, clear out the next hour and a half because I hooked into Talladega Nights while, while channel surfing. That's, that's what this movie is to me. It's the Caddyshack of racing. It is so damn funny on so many levels. I can't explain why. I I think I need a more coherent argument as to why it is my favorite Will Ferrell movie, given the fact that there are many extremely popular movies that people insist are much better, i.e. Anchorman or, uh, you know, Semi-Pro or Step Brothers or Old School. For me, it's Talladega Nights, and I'm not sure if it's because the racing scenes were credibly done, both... Uh, with the racing action as well as the off-the-track stuff, if it was getting that racing culture and making fun of it was so spot-on, if it was the comedic genius of Sasha Baron Cohen as the gay French driver, 
if it was the improvisation. I, I don't know what it was. I think Talladega Nights had more unforeseen turns along the way. And of course, it had a very hot Amy Adams who was sort of, you know, going incognito with her hotness up until the very end of the movie. All made it really good. So many great repeatable scenes. There is no formula for movies that you like or you think are the best. But I do think I need to write some sort of coherent defense as to here's exactly why. Talladega Nights is the best. Here's one of my favorite scenes. This was when Ricky Bobby was getting challenged nose to nose by Jean Girard. What's going on? Soon you will know what it is like to be defeated by the hands of somebody who is truly better than you. As William Blake wrote, the cutworm forgives the plow. Let me just quote the late great Colonel Sanders, who said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. <laughs> said go to do with this. I got a message for all of them, right? Shake, Shake and, and bake. bake. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just <laughs> happened. What is that, that? A catchphrase or is that uh, epilepsy? <laughs> Shake and bake. Shake what? Shake and bake. Listen, you better be careful because tomorrow you're going to get beaten. Beaten real bad, cowboy. Really? Yes. What and I want to know. That's news, yeah, that's that's news to me. Tomorrow you're going to be in trouble. I'm going to rip you into things. This is going to be a crap song. I'm going to take I play for keeps. I play for keeps. I give you one option, Monsieur Bobby. As a sign of humility, if you kiss me on the lips now, I will return to Paris and you will never see me again in NASCAR. The answer is never. Do you hear me? Never ever. Well, yes or no? That's sick. He rubs noses. Hold on. Shake and bake. <laughs> yeah. What does that, that mean? Makes awesome. no sense. So it's shake and bake. It's nonsense. Uh, and you know, the accent is not even that good from Ali. Ali G. It's not even that good from Sasha Baron Cohen, but it just, it all works for me. So for whatever it's worth, it's still my favorite. Uh, and if there's a good defense, a good argument you can make or formulate for me, if you agree with me, uh, then let me know because I, I need to get that whipped up in my mind. So whenever these stupid arguments occur between men, which they often do, I will have a good defense ready to go. All right, let's see what Annie Poland's doing tonight. Hopefully waiting by the phone for my call. Hello. Hello, Andy. Long time, no talk, brother. How we doing? Good. How was your trip? It was great, man. It was a lot of fun. You know, I proposed to Andy many years ago. Well, that sounds awkward. I proposed something. <laughs> I proposed a, a radio promotion to Andy. How about that? I proposed a radio promotion to, a, promotion to Andy and to our promotions department way yes. back when uh, of something that was called Adult Beach Week where we were going to get a house. <laughs> down on the Delaware or Maryland shore, Rehoboth, something like that. And we would recreate what is a high school tradition in the district in the DMV area, which is kids going down to the beach and renting a house and drinking beer and just doing teenage high school things, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it was a great idea, and it never came close 
to being realized, right? Yeah. The only one that you really gave birth to was the combine, which yes. really worked out pretty well. But that that one was one. And, and you know, you would present these ideas, and the sales staff and the promotions department would say, yeah, great, great let's idea. do it. Nothing would happen, right? (laughs) Nothing would happen. Well, the uh, the Mexico trip I took with uh, listeners from ninety seven through the game is like an adult beach week, except you don't have to worry about running a house, you don't have to worry about cooking food. You fly to an all inclusive resort, and then you just drink and drink and drink your face off and act like teenagers again. I I would love to do that with listeners in the DC area. Do you know many radio? shows in dc that do trips like that not that i know of i mean you've done it and i've done the south africa trip which is ronnie right yeah which is a lot of fun um but no nothing like that no yeah it's and 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 in the milwaukee market shit there's seven or eight shows and stations that do this kind of thing it's it's a lot of things now that's the upper midwest people are like get me the fuck out of this ice box (laughs) For at least a week, so it's more sellable. But I always tell people, my friends in Milwaukee, I say we don't really have these things back where I'm from. It, you know, the, the East Coast, as you know, Andy, it vibrates at a different frequency than the yeah. Midwest. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think people are not that people in the Midwest aren't hardworking, but it's just like a different kind of work vibe. Exactly in the Northeast, you know, right? Yeah. It's it's an obsessive work. It is a white collar lawyer billable hour uh, right type of vibe and they're just i don't know well anyway someday we'll do something like that it's been a while since i talked to you do you remember when we last what does the window sticker say <laughs> with me and you on the podcast here uh did we do one after the super bowl might have been pre-super bowl i can't remember no i think we did after the super bowl but we definitely didn't talk about the astros scandal Oh, yeah. That has yeah, now that... blown up with the player reaction. I know for podcast listeners, you're like, you talked about this the last three days. Well, yeah, but I'm getting the temperature of all my different rotating guests. What is your biggest takeaway from what has blown up now? I liken it to a fireworks warehouse mm-hmm. where when you think all the fireworks have cooked off and all the, the, the explosions <laughs> are done, a new segment of the warehouse catches fire and you're like, oh, hold on a second. It's still on fire. Yeah, this could have been nipped in the bud when Jim Crane probably said to somebody, don't worry, we got this. And uh, and he went and and really just, uh, you know, took a situation which could have been diffused and just threw gasoline all over it. With the simple phrase of we don't think it affected the outcomes of the games. Yeah. And we'll and he said, we'll leave it at that. Do you have to get that call, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just it's just a horrible way to to handle things. They had the two players who had who had already made fools of themselves at the Winterfest and and Altuve and Bregman, uh, who did not apologize. They had written apologies written for them. Didn't Mm -hmm. seem sincere. uh, No questions answered. And then they allowed the thing to spin out of control. The biggest thing that's that's happened in the last, I don't know, a couple of days is, you know, have players against players usually in a union situation players protect one another like right. oh you better not punish him and now you've got players saying oh those guys should have been punished and nick markakis who i never thought i know him very well but i've observed him in baltimore for a while he's been in baseball a long time says that these guys have to be hit i mean 
He said, no, they deserve a beating. A beating, yeah. A beating, those guys over there. And Marcakis is very well regarded in the game of baseball. Thoughtful, intelligent guy. And to hear him say that was shocking. Judge comes out. Stanton comes out. Trout comes out. These are the biggest names in the sport. Right, right. So now you've got the union sniping at each other. And we've got two more seasons of the collective bargaining agreement. And these guys are going to have to be united against the owners yeah. in trying to work out a new CBA. And that's the other part of this thing is is Marvin Miller ran the union. He's He created the strongest sports union around in baseball. And right. they have kicked the owners' butts year after year. Now you have Tony Clark, a former player, who to me seems like a lightweight uh, running it. I, I covered the days of Don Fear. Uh, I remember covering the lockout of 1990. And Fear... He didn't even like baseball. He was a dyspeptic guy. He didn't want to. He wasn't for the grand old game. He just wanted to make sure that the players got a fair shake in this, and he continued to kick their butts. But I'm not so sure what's going to happen now. Yeah. Um, the union is not what it once was, but they're still pretty strong. They're strong enough that basically Manfred said, we didn't even think about trying to suspend the players because we would have lost. In arbitration, yeah. we would have lost in the grievances because I guess there's no leeway to punish players like there is in the NFL. I mean, yeah, Goodell but- took Brady to the woodshed over two puffs of air that were never proven. Right. And Manfred quit the game before it even began. Yeah. And then you also have the Players Association coming out and saying, oh, no, we, we didn't say we had to have immunity on this. Uh, they they said that. Yeah. So, right. No, nobody, you know, so Manfred. Manfred really looks bad in this. And and then not only to, to have said what he said about that being a piece of metal, that uh, the, the, the trophy, but to have to come back and to apologize for right. saying that he really looks weak. He does. And, and you know what? Apologies never work. He should have just said, listen, if these players want to get bent out of shape about my comments, knowing they were rhetorical in nature, fine. I don't yeah. care. These players are the same ones that look the other way when guys like Barry Bonds showed up at spring training looking like the Michelin man. That's what's also remarkable. The players have always looked out for other players, even when they knew they were cheating. That's why nobody was firing on Barry Bonds or McGuire or Sosa or Clemens or A-Rod because it's like, well, I might need to take some juice at some point. This scandal has been different, and that's what's interesting. And how about all these guys who are standing on this high moral ground? Oh, God, you could never tolerate this. Would any of these guys, just by the luck of the draw, had they wound up on the Astros, stood up and said, hey, look what's going on here. Hey, My guys. cheating. Yeah, this is yeah. not right, guys. I mean, I think this is unfair. We should stop doing this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or, or, or or blown the whistle on his own team. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Right? Well, the, the, fra- the two things, first of all, Crane saying – that we don't think it affected the outcomes of the games. And then him saying, we'll leave it at that, as if, oh, that's how easy it's going to be? You're just, <laughs> yeah. we'll leave it at that? <laughs> right. yeah. It'd be like cheating, getting caught with another woman in your bed, telling your wife, well, I didn't love her, so I don't think it affects our marriage, and we'll just leave it at that, honey. That's right. when your wife goes, oh, no, we're not leaving it at that. No, right. we're not. So that rang, uh, you know, that fell on deaf ears. And then what's interesting is when Correa was defending Crane's comments, he pretended like, well, Correa is an old billionaire. He doesn't know what it's like to hit a baseball. Jayco pointed out accurately, 
He was a Division II All-American in baseball and a pitcher. Did you know Jim Crane was? I did not know that, no. Not only that, but Jim Crane has, according to the USGA's uh, National Handicap Index, he's got the lowest golf handicap of any CEO in America. (laughs) He is not some doddering old man who's like, hey, I don't know what this baseball is all about. So right. Correa was full of shit. And then, of course, the, the commissioner has looked foolish uh, at every turn. And I, I never thought I'd say there's somebody dumber and slower in being a commissioner than Goodell. But Manfred's put on a run for the money uh, over the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, the, Andrew Brand had, had a column about this at SI.com that he, he, whatever you want to say about Goodell, he is the one that drops the hammer on people and there are punishments and he doesn't worry about those kind of things. And so, yes, Manfred does look like a, 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 a kind of a lightweight in all of this. No question. Right. I did have uh, one listener say he's a very accomplished lawyer, Manfred. And I said, I, I don't doubt that, but being a lawyer is not a commissioner. Commissioners have to vibrate differently. They have to think differently. They have to act differently. And yeah. What's legally possible sometimes I, I think that Manfred owed it to the sport to run a suicide mission of suspending these guys and losing, even if it's losing badly in arbitration or a grievance hearing, whatever, mm-hmm. just to say, I tried. I did all I could. Yeah, you can always give back. And remember, Manfred is the one that did all the work on A-Rod. He's the one that got the 200-game suspension on A-Rod a few years ago. So he's he's probably like one of those guys who's a really good defensive coordinator and yeah. not necessarily a good head coach. Right. But you know what the 200 games didn't do? Kill a rod. No, he still came back. He still played after that. And the a rod redemption tour continues. That to me is one of the more amazing things that he is held in, in, in positive regard and has all these broadcast gigs. Right. Well, he's, he's a phony and he's a liar. Yeah. And he works very well on television. <laughs> if you're, you know, he's a pretty, pretty man, isn't he? And pretty yeah. wins in television all day. Yep. Every day. Okay, let's put this away for now. I want to get to some Redskins stuff. First of all, Adrian Peterson back for a third season. When I said the first year he was here, I'll eat a pumpkin if he has 800-yard games. Luckily, he missed it by one game and a few yards. But he's been remarkably productive. Do you approve of bringing him back for a third year? Uh, I'm going to give Ron Rivera the benefit of the doubt here because everything I've seen from Rivera holds up in what was said in the press conference, that it is a coach centric operation. So he's calling the shots. So if he wants them around for what is probably a reasonable price, about $5 million uh, and a guy who works hard, why not? But, you know, we see these guys drop off the table. He, He could very well finally get hurt, you know, as Ryan Kerrigan did this past year, Uh, His production could drop off tremendously. He could begin to fumble a lot. But to play the game for $5 million for one more year, I I say why not? Is it $5 million? I'm looking up at SpotRack right now. No, it's less than that. It's uh, it's 2.3, I think. Oh, okay. No problem. Which is which is an easy one to do. I yeah. I think they got to bring him back from a sheer body standpoint. Geis is dicey, and mm-hmm. Bryce Love hasn't played yet because he spent his whole rookie season recovering from knee surgery out of Stanford. So they might need a guy to absorb some carries. 
Yeah, no, and he's he, you know, despite what I think is despicable that nobody seems to want to talk about anymore, oh, how he yeah. bloodied his kids' testicles with a stick, uh, all that's forgotten, and he got a sportsmanship award. Oh yeah, hailed as a great leader and a team captain and all that. Uh, Welcome to all, modern day sports, Andy. <laughs> yeah, on if, the field, if he you, has been. If good. you produce, it all washes under the bridge. Jordan exactly. Reed, the, we've reached the end of the line today. He had he was cleared from concussion protocol, and he is likely to be cut. Yeah. What well, does the Redskins epitaph say on the career of Jordan Reed? Another guy that they really jumped on a limb for. He never was healthy. His career high in games played was fourteen. They gave him a very big contract extension, and with a history of concussions going into this past season, he had six of them. They said, oh, no, no, he's, he's in great shape. He looks good. And boom, when he finally plays, I think that's the only preseason game he played in, yeah. the third one, uh, got ear-holed. It was a dirty hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that should end his career. And then then they, they string it along with Jay Gruden telling everybody week after week, no, no, he's, he's improving, he's improving. And finally, after Jay Gruden got fired, uh, they said, no, no, he's on injured reserve. And then they tell you at the end of the season, oh, no, he's still in concussion protocol. What a disaster, and, and I shudder to think what he's going to be like in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, this is terrible. They also uh, they also cut Paul Richardson, wide receiver from Seattle, who they thought was going to be a, a poor man's replacement for an over-the-top lid-lifting Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. That was not the case. Richardson was constantly hurt, got overpaid there. And, uh, of course, Josh Norman was cut as expected. Is there any wiggle room to call that signing a good signing? No. No, no. He, he got you got two years out of him. Um, you know, it, it seemed to make sense at the time, I guess. But uh, Charlie Casserly said not last season, but the season before that he was the third best cover corner on the team. And they continued to play him. Then they go into the offseason where he spends part of his time jumping over bulls and they put him <laughs> on the field. And he can't play. And then the most ridiculous thing is they continue to activate him week after week. And not play him. And they're playing guys who they sign off the street, you know, three days before ahead of them. It made no sense. I have no understanding. I I don't know why that is. Do you? No. And and I don't know if there was a contract clause in there or whatever it was. Also, if if he tore his ACL and he didn't clear a physical, I think, by March 1st or March 15th. They couldn't cut him, right? Yeah, they have to pay him. Wow. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. And then we get to the quarterback situation where all the rumor is that uh, Rivera is going to find some veteran to, quote, push Dwayne Haskins. I have no idea why Dwayne Haskins needs to be pushed. And if he does need to be pushed, that's a huge fucking problem because if you're a first-round draft pick quarterback in this league who's had a taste of starting and is presumably the future of the franchise, you should be self-motivated. I don't like the sound of this at all. Well, I I read between the lines of redskin legend and blabbermouth (laughs) Doug Williams. (laughs) When when Doug Williams speaks, he often says too much. And when he made that comment about uh, he needs to hang around the facility so much that they need to kick him out, that means he's not spending enough time around the facility right. working on what he needs to be working on. And when Jay Gruden was saying he wasn't ready to play, it wasn't because he wasn't physically ready to play. It's he wasn't putting in the work to do it. 
and somehow a light went on later in the season. He looked better as the season went on, but does he, to you, look like he's ready to be a franchise quarterback for them? No. And when no. I hear when when I hear more and more, you know, when, and I believe him when they say this that they're really intent on getting a veteran, maybe an Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. maybe splurging for a Teddy Bridgewater, although I think he's out of their budget range, I say to myself, holy shit, this guy's work ethic is still not where they need it to be. This guy is cruising towards being a bust if he doesn't step it up. Yeah, yeah. And here's here's a no-nonsense coach who's coming in, and hopefully he's going to tell him that. But if, you know, the heat gets too high... Yeah. Does Haskins do what RG3 does and get support of the owner, which, as we know, can lead to the fall of Rome, as we've seen in the past? And then on the wild card front is the rumblings that maybe Joe Burrow is having second thoughts about just meekly walking into the end of his career known as the Cincinnati Bengals and (laughs) may start rocking the boat on, I ain't going to play there, which would lead to a lot of action around the top of the draft and could implicate the Redskins at number two, depending on what the Bengals decide. Yeah, well, uh, Mel Kuyper said that Chase Young would have been the number one pick of the draft had he performed in his last two games, including the, the playoff game, like he had earlier in the season. Sure. So is it possible that somebody trades up to number one for Cincinnati's pick and they take Chase Young? And he's not on the board at number two for the Redskins. Wow. Do, do you take Burrow at two? <laughs> That's, that is a hell of a question. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if a team is hell-bent on Burrow, and if Burrow makes enough of a stink that he's not going to play in Cincy, then the Bengals will trade out a one to whoever wants Burrow, and they'll land somewhere behind the Redskins at two. Yeah, maybe so. But you know what? what happens when they go to the Combine and Chase Young runs a 4-5 and sets the record for the bench press. No, and, doesn't you know, matter. This, this, Qu- well, quarterback. this is what happened to Saquon Barkley. This is what happened to him. He went number two in the draft, and nobody was talking about him going that high. But his combine numbers were unbelievable. He was outlifting linemen at that, at that combine. When, when was the last time an elite defensive prospect jumped over an elite quarterbacking prospect? Well, I don't know who was available when Jadavion Clowney went number one. Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was the – oh, yeah. I believe, because, that, I believe that was the dilemma, Bush or Clowney. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. Bush or um, or Vince Young. That's how far that goes back. Oh, you're right. It was. Yeah, yeah. Vince Young who went, uh, went three to Houston. NFL right. draft history. Quick to yeah. the Google machine I go. Let's see if I can find it on the fly here. Uh, what year would Clowney have been? Andy Poland, you it, you beautiful encyclopedia of sports <laughs> knowledge. You Jadavion Clowney was probably three years ago, I want to say, maybe four. So 2016 or 17, probably 16 or 15, maybe, maybe in that far back. Oh come but, on, NFL.com. I know you got this here. See, Bush Bush actually went second behind um, a defensive end that Charlie Casserly took with Houston and took a lot of heat for that. And then Vince Young, I think, was three. So I think that's what that that happened there. So we have had a defensive player. Uh, Yeah, the defensive end was the guy who went to Buffalo eventually and was out of NC State. Yeah, right. Mario something. Mario Mario Williams. Super Mario. Mario. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. So well, that, we'll that's happened happen we'll before. S- we'll see on that front. Uh, have you read the latest on the Redskins stadium proposal? Yes, 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 yes. Get ready for 20 more years in Landover. Um, if if you and I are lucky enough to have grandchildren, we will take them to another stadium that will be built after this next one runs its course. Yeah, because no fucking way I'm taking them to the new <laughs> FedEx 2 electric boogaloo. <laughs> because because the district is closed jack evans being forced out because of his hanky panky yeah uh, that that's not helpful to the cause and there's too many uh, congressmen that are hard down on the name thing and yeah. they will block allowing the land to go into the district's hands the district will massage anyone on the council that might be opposed to the name because they want that stadium there mm-hmm. but the government and congress they're going to be like no fuck that fuck snyder fuck the name we're not going to do it and that's going to screw it up i i think it's a disaster if they build a new one and especially if it's a dome dome not even retractable if they do that in the parking lot of ral john it's over andy it is so bad it's well, one it's- of the worst things ever Ever for a Redskins well, fan. There, there's there's no place for him to go. I mean, the, the story that was by Robert McCartney in the Post was devastating. That, yeah, I mean, Virginia is interested, but the places they're 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 looking to have him in Prince William County. Are you kidding me? I mean, they might as well you know move him to <laughs> Richmond. It's it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. So uh, Loudon yeah, County, I mean, Loudon County laughed when McCartney contacted them for a comment saying. We're not pursuing it. We have no place to put a stadium. And Fairfax County laughed even harder and said, we really don't have any room here. (laughs) Right. And so can can they build an Ashburn? No. No, that's not going to happen. So he's he's, he's he's got land there. That's where he's going to build. Oh, God. All right. If you had to pick Prince William south of the Beltway Mm -hmm. or back at the old site. I shudder to think of it. With no metro access, yeah. where would you want it? You know, I've I've been in Maryland most of my life. Maryland, I, it's got to be know, Maryland. I know the route. It's off the Beltway, at least. At least you can get on the Beltway. It's, but it's it's it, 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 there's no good options here, and no. nobody wants to deal with Snyder. And I also think that the real tip off of how bad the situation is is the way Bruce Allen exited. Because what did we hear as the team was just a, a oh, complete disaster? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a mess, but, but Snyder's keeping him around because he's getting close on the stadium. Well, obviously, he wasn't close at all because he he was shown the door and there was no talk of any progress of what he had done on getting his stadium built. Right. I'm so. looking you – know, I looked at the picture, Andy, that goes with the uh, article or with the tweet mm-hmm. at least. or I think it was with the article in the post. Mm-hmm. And it 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 just sort of it it made me cry a bit inside. You know why? Because mm-hmm. I look at the stand. First of all, the upper deck is not yet disfigured by the botched plastic surgery of removing all those sections. Mm-hmm. So the upper deck is intact. There are fans who have paid money to sit all the way up in the top of the upper deck, including the corners where they can't sell seats anymore. And there is a distinct lack of opposing play team jerseys in the stands. Yeah. Well, when, when Gibbs came back in 2004, 
They expanded that place to 91,000. <laughs> now the seating capacity, they say, is about 80,000. I don't know if it's that. Yeah. And they certainly don't need those seats. Yeah, it's it's and, it's a mess. And the other thing is the field looks great. <laughs> it looks yeah. beautiful. Well, sometimes it does. I mean, they, they put know. in a new field. It lasts for a few weeks. And then by the time we get to December, it's sand. Yeah. Uh, you bullish on your Terps, boy? You better be. Um, the, the only thing that concerns me is the depth. And I watched the game last night. Jalen Smith in the last month, month and a half, has, has come an incredible way. I mean, he's played himself in, certainly into the first round of the draft and maybe into a lottery pick. He's just unbelievable game after game. The problem is is that they've got nobody behind him. They got Chole Mariel, who's seven foot two. That's all he is, is seven foot two. Right. Can't play. Ricky Lindo can't play. Can't play so, dead in a western, as the coaches like yeah, to say. Can't play. So <laughs> what what they tell Smith is anytime somebody comes inside, put your hands up, but don't really get yourself in any kind of trouble because we can't have you sitting out in foul trouble. So you know, teams, they had some white guy last night, Ryan Young, who looked very, very doughy, who was putting on a variety of like Akeem Olajuwon moves on him. And I'm thinking, <laughs> myself, I'm thinking to myself, my God, if you didn't have to worry so much about a foul, you'd swat that stuff into the seats. But they can't. So uh, they, they're they they're playing well enough. They don't shoot very well. Their shooting last night was terrible. I think they were 8 for 30 from 3. But uh, Smith is really good. Anthony Cowan is a senior guard who's damn good. And they got some pretty decent players like Daryl Morcel around them. And Jay Billis said last week when they pulled off that incredible win over Michigan State, this is a possible Final Four team. Yeah, why not in a very yeah. flat year in which there's nobody really good? Sneak mm-hmm. on in there and get that Final Four would be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, do you know who is the number two pick behind Jadevian Clowney? Who? A guy who just made news today for all the wrong reasons. Offensive tackle Greg Robinson, mm. who was picked by the Rams. That was the Redskins pick from the RG3 right. trade. Right. He's in the news because he was arrested by the DEA bringing into the country by way of the Mexican border a shit ton of marijuana. Mm. Yes, the I old mean, Nate Newton move. What, Nate Newton. What <laughs> the hell, Andy? Marijuana is becoming legal in more and more states. And he's an NFL player that was the second overall pick. He made a lot of money playing in the NFL. What is he doing? Well, somebody says here, all you have to do is drive this across the border, and you'll get a lot of money. Whatever money made is probably gone by now anyway. Yeah. Nobody's going to catch you, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, then, and then I'll leave you this uh, This from Robert Cooney. Good morning, Steed. Will you be having Andy Pollan back on the Zabecast soon? He and Notorious J are your best guests. Such amazing chemistry between you and those two. I'd listen to you and Andy break down a left tackle for the Redskins, <laughs> even when they're not even my team. Happy hump day. Sincerely, Rob. So oh, there you so go, nice. Andy. All right. Very nice. It is Very great nice. to have you back. How you how you handling the winter? It's been an easy winter around here. Yeah, I mean, uh, when are we going to – I guess we're not going to get any. We'll probably get hit with something. I remember a big snowstorm in March some years ago, so don't count your chickens yet. All right, very good. We'll talk to you next week, Andy. Thank you. Hi, Zabe. There you go. I love that fucker. I really do. I love him. I respect him. I had so many good years on the radio with Andy. Uh, 
we 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 did good shows together. I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not not ashamed. I'm not uh, I'm not shy to say that. Let me put it that way. Anyhow, sort of like an older brother to me. Uh, even I do have an older brother, a real older brother, Jim, <laughs> who I'm also on good terms with. I need to call him, catch in, catch up with him, check in, catch catch in, check up. Getting all mixed up here. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and end on this today. Um, the woman that was treated like a human punching bag in her seat after reclining it on a recent flight says she is going to contact the FBI and file charges against the shaved head bearded psychopath who didn't like the fact that she reclined her seat into his when he was in the rear bulkhead of the plane and could not recline himself. Really? Now, it does sound like this woman, Wendy, who's a teacher and goes by at Steelers fan OG, it sounds like she might have a bit of a case, she said, after much consideration and exhausting every opportunity for hashtag American Airlines to do the right thing. Maybe she should have said at American Airlines. I've decided to share my assault from the passenger behind me and further threats to a flight attendant. She offered him a complimentary cocktail. So in other words, he was the one being the dick. And they're like, oh, I see that you can't recline and this woman's reclined and you're now being a total dickwad. So uh, how about a uh, Jack Daniels? Would that work for you? And when she was filming him doing that, the flight attendant said, you know, it's illegal to film on an airplane. You need to delete that. Truth is, it's only illegal to film on an airplane if you're interfering with the operations of the staff or the crew, which she clearly was not. However, when she complained, the uh, flight attendant gave her an official warning as like a disorderly passenger. I'm telling you, I'm not saying that she was in the wrong, but I am saying none of this is worth 15 degrees of recline. The CEO of Delta Airlines said that it's he believes it's courtesy and etiquette to ask the person behind you if it's okay to recline. Many people have said, that's outrageous. There's a button here. I've got a right to recline. You don't like it. You recline yourself. Some people swear by it, that it adds to their comfort. Uh, a little bit of comfort while flying, whatever comfort you can have in coach, which is really not much. I uh, I feel like asking the person behind you would be a wonderful thing. I think most people would say, yeah, that's fine. Or if they say, I don't know, I'm kind of tall, I'd rather you not, they at least would be like, you know, that was nice. They actually asked if I could, you know, recline. It would lead to more civility. I know this, if the guy was punching my seat like that, then I would put it back up again and I'd let things calm down. And after maybe 30 minutes, I'd turn around and say, sir, I know you were not happy I reclined, but I'd appreciate it if you just gave me a simple apology for being as rude as you were for punching my seat. And then you can avoid all this shit. And I tell you what, these flight attendants, they come in all varieties. Some of them are really good. Some of them are nutbags themselves, not good flight attendants. And they will give you the warning when you're the one who's being basically assaulted by a psychopath 
who's being given a free cocktail. Better to keep your head low and just go quietly because you don't want to get kicked off the plane. You don't have to be held up in a room, interrogated by police or the FBI or put on some watch list. Imagine if you're the woman and you get put on a watch list then and you got to go through special screening and a big hassle at every airport you fly in for the next five years. Was that worth 15 degrees? Was it worth videotaping this idiot and being right about, hey, how dare you punch my seat? Go quietly. Keep your head low. This flight will be over soon. Your goal is to get from point A to point B with as little drama as possible. Don't worry so much about your right to recline or your right to not have some, I mean, you know what I'm saying. All right, I'm done. That's enough preaching for me. I should have ended on something happy. Again, I failed in that regard. Zabe Vegas 2020 is on and the automatic bids are filling up. We are going to be limited to just 64 people to come and join us at Top Golf in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Friday, March 27th from 3.30 till 6.30. We'll do a live Zabecast show there. Charge and Mr. X are due to join me. I'm working on Jayco to come out as well. Unlimited Top Golf on four bays during the course of our three hours there. Free drinks and food as well. Plus, we'll have a grand time. I'll get to meet everybody. Come on out. Sign up at zabe.com slash zabevegas. You'll see all the details there. And I thank you for giving it some consideration. Have yourself a great Thursday or whatever Thursday you want to have. And we will see you next time.